And Father, in other places there, we are free to worship. But God, I pray that wherever Jesus is proclaimed, wherever people follow you, God, that we will be people who choose to honour you with our whole lives, that will be deliberate in pursuing you as our God and Lord and Saviour, and that will be people who declare your goodness to the world. Father, as I bring your word now, may you speak to us, give us ears and hearts open to hear what you want to say. May this not just be another day at church, another, another message, but God, bring transformation to our lives. Spirit of God, work in our lives today, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's uh, great to be speaking again. I feel like a bit of a guest. I haven't spoken for a long time, and I've missed it. It's nice to be back home. Uh, great to see our smiling faces from this, this spot. It's nice. Welcome, Josh, too. Extra given today. It's lovely to have you here, mate, too. Uh, for those who don't know, I love fishing. Who didn't know that? Some of you guys didn't know. I'm a, I'm a mad keen fisherman. Um, I don't do much of it. I, I, put, I purchased a boat a couple of years ago, so I, but the motor's not great. So the last 12 months, I haven't used it. But my main fishing adventures is when I go on holidays to a place called Lake Cadai, where the oceans opens up to the lake and the fishing is really good. And we've been going to this space, this place for like, since I was 10. And how old am I? Young, very young. 27 years. 20, how, I don't know how, how old am I? 50, 38, 28 years I've been going to this place in Lake Cadai, and I love fishing. When I um, became a young adult, I got really excited about fishing. We'd, we'd go with our family, and I could spend 10 hours a day fishing. How is that possible? You get out of bed, you go fishing, you come back for morning tea, lunch, after lunch you get bait, then you go fishing, come back for dinner, and go fishing again, come back at midnight. That was the day. And, and, and as my wife came along, which was my girlfriend at the time, um, came on holidays with us as a family and got to know us. That would be, I could still fish 10 hours a day. Then we got married. That might have turned into eight hours a day fishing. And so everything was fine until the children came along. And even when the kids were little, I could still get eight hours a day in. But now the kids are nine and seven. Um, I've had to change the way I do holidays because um, fishing is good. I mean, it is really, really good for the men. It's relaxing, but it's also an adventure. We try and win a prize, try and catch the biggest fish. We're on, we're on this manly journey of trying to hunt, hunting and gathering, sort of what we would have, maybe whatever. Listening and waiting on the Lord. <laughs> waiting for fish. That's true, not doing much. We, um, we uh, deliberately pursue the fish. So there's not much standing around going on. And so, but, but fishing is good, and it's relaxing, and I get to pray, which is very spiritual, which is good, but it's also fun to catch fish, right? But then I have something better in that I have my children, and spending time with them on the holiday is much better than fishing. Now, I may not think so at the time, because I'm passionate about it and excited about it, but actually spending time with my kids... Um, walking on the beach with them, throwing footballs, taking them to the park, going fishing with them, spending time with them. It's so much better than fishing on my own, having a wonderful, wonderful time. Where am, I, where, am I, where am I going with this? Sometimes we need to say no to a good thing so we can say yes to the better things. Is that true? Sometimes we need to say no to a good thing. Fishing is good, yes. But it's better to spend time with my family. Sometimes we need to spend 
We need to say no to the good things in order to say yes to the better things. You know, I love fishing. I have like eight fishing rods. I have a reel worth $250. I've got beach rods, estuary rods. I've got three yabby pumps. I've got crab traps. I've got all this stuff. And, and, and for me to say no to the good thing in order to say yes to the better thing, I need to give up my agenda, sacrifice my wants, and lay down my preference. Now, if, you don't, if you're not into fishing, this may, this may mean nothing for you. But I'll give you a few examples in a moment. But for me to say no to that, I need to give up my agenda, sacrifice my wants, and lay down my preference in order to say yes to the better thing. Now, you might be here this morning and you might have a story like that. You might have a hobby that you're really passionate about. Man might be a man shed, your lathe, your car, your music. Ladies, it might be, I'll be very careful here, I'm going to get in trouble, knitting or um, music or cleaning. Oh my goodness, I'm in trouble this morning. Whatever you're excited about, you know what I mean. Whatever you're excited about, you know, sometimes we need to say no to that in order to spend more time with the family, which is a better thing. Maybe you saved up money for a holiday. You say, and you're planning on an overseas trip, so you saved up thousands of dollars. But then you and your partner decide that you want to buy a house. So you give up the idea, the good thing of the holiday, to say yes to the better thing of putting a deposit on for a house. Maybe you're passionate about the A-League. Soccer, A-League. The semi-finals tomorrow, the grand finals next weekend. Now, you might be so excited that, that, that you want to buy yourself a new television, early DCD, plasma, whatever the latest, surround TV, whatever it is this morning, and, and you saved up a couple thousand bucks ready to buy this TV so you can watch the A-League grand final. But then, but then you come to church. And you hear about a missionary who's about to go overseas or, 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 a, or a Christian who's in need and you, say, and you sense the Spirit of God saying, hey, you need to do that. So you need to sacrifice, lay down preference, sacrifice the TV and give that money to that person in need because that is the better thing. Maybe you're a youth leader. No, forget that. Maybe if you're a young adult, this is Grace. Grace has just become a youth leader in our church. We love it, Grace. That's fabulous. Maybe you're... You're a young adult and, and you've got a job and, and your boss wants you to work Friday night and the money's great on a Friday night, but you've heard Con say, who's our youth pastor, hey, we need more help in youth ministry. Now, is working good? Yes. Is making money good? Yes. But, the, but you sense the Spirit of God say, hey, there's something better here. Lay down your preference, sacrifice your wants, give up your agenda, say no to work, and say yes to being a youth, a youth leader at LifeGate Church. You know, friends, sometimes we need to say no to the good things in order to say yes to the better things. And this is what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning, which is our text, where Paul, um, in, um, in Acts chapter 18, we read how Paul went to Corinth. And he went there, went to the synagogue. He didn't have a great time in the synagogue. He went next door to the synagogue ruler. He preached the message of Jesus. He gets saved. And a bunch of other people in that community get saved. And Paul stays in Corinth for about a year and a half. Preaches the gospel, teaches the church. Acts chapter 18, you can read it. And as the guy who planted the church, as the apostle over that church, he hears stories about what's happening in that church. He visits them, and apparently he wrote four letters, of which we have two, to, to the church in Corinth. And as you read through 1 Corinthians, you see how 
Paul starts really, really well, and, and they don't lack any spiritual gift, but there's all these issues in the church. And he lists off issue after issue after issue. And when he gets to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he starts to speak about himself and he as a believer in Christ. And this is what he says in verse 19. He says this, Though I am free and belong to no one, I made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. You know, Paul had a good thing. He was free. But he said no to that freedom in order to say yes to a better thing, which is to become a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. To see as many people come to know Christ as possible. In verse 20, he talks about changing his preference, sacrificing his wants, laying down his, and I've forgotten what the other thing is that I've been talking about. What is it? Laying down your agenda. agenda. Thank you, Melody. Laying down your agenda. And this is what he does in verse 20. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, although I myself am not under the law. Now, the Jews, the Jewish people, who were the people under the law? Is that any different from the Jewish people? Well, it's not real clear. Maybe he's talking about people who are really deliberate about the law, like Pharisees and people who are really passionate about the law, the law of Moses. Verse 21. To those not having the law, meaning the, the, the uh, Gentiles, the Greeks, people who weren't Jews, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I'm not free from God's law, but, not, but I'm under Christ's law. In other words, I'm, I'm under the law of the Spirit, under the, under the law of the new covenant. So as to win those not having the law. Verse 22, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. Really important verse here. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Now, as we read verse 19, Paul says, Though I am free and below, belong to no one, I made myself a slave to everyone. When we hear slavery today, we think bad. We think um, oppression, people being chained, people being controlled, um, not okay. But when we read the word slave, we need to read it differently from, when it, from, from today. Because we can actually translate the word slave to be servant in the Greek, same Greek word. Slave, servant. And it wasn't necessarily like it is today. It was in some cases. Some masters um, treated their slaves very poorly. But in the New Testament, it talks about how, ma- how masters are to treat their slaves with respect and honor and all those sorts of things. And so slavery at the time, it wasn't as bad as what we think of it today. Poor families, people who are families who are really, really poor, chose to be slaves because what it meant is that their master would house them, feed them, care for them. If you owed a debt, sometimes you would work for a master for a certain amount of time. Usually if you're a slave, you're a slave for about six years. Or if it was a year of jubilee, which is every 50 years, all the slaves would be set free. Now being a slave, you're still under someone's control, if you like. Authority, 
um, leadership. You, you weren't free to do, do whatever you wanted to do because you're under that slave, but it wasn't, it wasn't like the slavery that we have today. It, 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 it could have been seen, seen as, as a good thing in, in, in some circumstances, but you weren't free. You weren't free to do whatever you wanted to. You were under someone else's authority. And what Paul says here, he says, although I'm not a slave, although I am free and belong to no one. In other words, he could work for himself. He wasn't told what to do. He wasn't under someone's authority, under someone's control. Because he was free to do whatever he wanted to do. And if you were free, that was a really good thing. You could go where you wanted, work where you wanted, do whatever you wanted. That was a good thing. But here, Paul says this. He says, I'm choosing to say no to a good thing in order to say yes to a better thing. And that better thing is this. I have made myself a slave or a servant to everyone to win as many as possible. You know, Paul's in a good thing. He could go wherever he wanted. He could work for himself. He could go to place to place. And that's good. But he chose to say no to that in order to serve others. Why? To see them saved. To see them come to know Christ. Paul chose to give up his agenda, sacrifice his wants, lay down his preference. You know, Paul's got an incredible testimony. If you haven't read the, the, the testimony of Paul, if you read Acts chapter 9, Paul's on this road with two, with two helpers and Jesus turns up to him. In front of him, this massive light, the, the guys around him get blinded and there's this, there's this blindness that ever comes over Paul's eyes and he, and he goes to Damascus, meets a guy named Ananias, he prays for him and it's like this scales falls off his eyes, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, he moves in the gifts of the Spirit, he preaches the gospel, sees people saved, lay hands on people, these sick people recover, he even sends out handkerchiefs in Acts chapter 19 that he's prayed for and people get healed by touching these handkerchiefs. He's got an incredible story and Paul could have went from church to church, from Christian group, from Christian group, staying in houses, getting money, being looked after, having an incredible life as this, as this apostle, as this amazing guy who's had this incredible, incredible encounter with Jesus. And he could have had a great life from going from place to place to place, Christian, Christian, Christians, getting support and being clapped and celebrated his whole life. But you know what? He said no to that. In order to go to places where people didn't know Christ where he wasn't welcomed, where he was persecuted for his faith, faith, where his finances weren't secure, where his housing wasn't secure because because he recognized God's will for his life. You know, this is um, our final week of roadblocks. Our final week of, we've been talking about roadblocks to moving forward. And we said moving forward is all about fulfilling God's will for our lives. It's about obedience. It's about doing the things that God wants us to do. And yet there are roadblocks that get in the way to that. It could be shame, a lack of vision. It could be baggage. It could be sickness. It could be idols. It could be many things that we've spoken about over the past nine weeks. The roadblock I want us to look at today is this one. Insert your name here. 
I want to suggest that I am and you are the roadblock in seeing God's will fulfilled in your life. And the reason I say that is because we are so unwilling to give up our agenda. We are so unwilling to sacrifice our wants. And we are so unwilling to lay down our preference in order to to do the things, to fulfill the things God has for our lives. Is that too hard this morning? Now, this may not be you, of course. It might just be me. Or Ken, maybe. But, But I'm sure that's most of you not. We're a roadblock because we love this life that we got. And we're not willing to lay it down to see God's will fulfilled. Now I said Paul, he chose to lay down, sacrifice, give up in order to see God's will fulfilled. You know, Paul was a Christian. That's a bit profound, isn't it? He was a Christian. And if you're a Christian, Jesus is both your Savior and your Lord. Now, we love the Savior bit. Jesus has died on the cross for me. He's taken the punishment for my sin. He's dealt with the, the, um, the, the broken relationship with God. It's been restored because Jesus has dealt with my sin. Jesus is my Savior. But he's also our Lord. And if he's Lord, he calls the shots. If he's Lord, he sets the agenda. If he's Lord, he says, this is the way I want you to live. And if he's the Lord, I say, yes, Lord, I'll fulfill your agenda. I'll fulfill your calling. And, and when we're talking about God's will, now God's will is huge and there's many parts to it. But, but I want to look at one part of God's will this morning, just one part. And I want to point you to four scriptures. The first one is this, 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his, keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead... He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Friends, part of God's will is God's will that everyone will come to repentance. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous, that's Jesus, for the unrighteous, which is us. Why? To bring you to God. It's God's will that your relationship with God is restored. Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. Friends, it's God's will that the lost are sought and saved. And in Matthew 20, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. Why? To give his life. Why did he come? To give his life as a ransom, to pay the price that was on our life for us. Friends, it's God's will that people are saved. This is only part of God's will, but it's a really, really important part. And Paul knew it. Paul knew it so passionately that he was willing to say no to the good thing in order to say yes to the better thing, to lay down his life, to give up his preference, to sacrifice his wants, in order to see people come to know Christ. I was on a plane about a month ago, 
And whenever you go on a plane to Melbourne, great place to live, maybe, uh, Melbourne. Anyone li- lived in Melbourne before? One person, two people. Sue, did you live in Melbourne as well? No, just Martin. And, and coming back from Melbourne, you got an hour and so on a plane. And that's awesome because you get to sit next to someone and it's an opportunity to share faith. And I sit next to this lady um, and we start talking and she says, what do you do? I'm a pastor. And we talked about what she did and where she was going. And she was a really friendly lady. And we talked a lot about faith, faith, faith. Faith, and I had the opportunity to share the message of Jesus with her. And it was such a privilege that she actually understood the message. Do you want to know why I knew she understood it? Because she said this, she said this to me, Nathan, that's not fair. What do you mean it's not fair? That's not fair that Jesus would have to pay the punishment for my sin. I deserve that. And for her to say that, she understands what the gospel is about. Wonderful. And then we kept talking, and then she said to me, Nathan, how would you feel if your kids chose not to follow Jesus? And my response was, that would be horrific. She said, why would they? I'm not a Christian. I'm okay. I said, that would be horrific because like, it would suck for this life because living with Jesus, for me, is the only way to live. But more importantly than that is, is, is eternity. And the Bible says that if you don't follow Christ... Your eternity is hell. And she looked at me and she said, do you believe that? I said, well, the Bible says it. So if the Bible says it, I believe it. And she goes, how could, how could a loving God send people to hell? And I said, you know what? God has loved us so much to send, to, to send us Jesus so we wouldn't go to hell. And all we need to do is come to him in faith and repentance. And I explain those words. Faith and repentance and we don't go to hell. We're with Jesus forever. We are rescued. We are saved. And friends, this message that I, that I and shouldn't become a Christian on that day, I pray with her. Who knows what, what our God's going to do with that. But, but that message that I presented to that lady on that plane is the same message that Paul presented as he went from place to place. The message of Jesus the message of hope, the message of life, the message that rescues us from hell. And in this passage in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul describes how he went about sharing that message. He says, to the Jews, I became, I became like a Jew. In other words, when he was hanging out with Jewish people, he celebrated their feasts. He went to their temple. He ate their food. Now, as a Christian, we we aren't restricted by the food that we eat and this, we, we don't have to celebrate all these things. But Paul did that. Why? So he could reach the Jewish people, that he could become like them. He met them at that, in their culture. So he could relate to them, that he could build a relationship with them. And then he says about, about the people who don't have the law, the Greeks or the Gentiles, he went and lived with them. It says he was in Corinth for a year and a half. He lived in a house that wasn't his house. He ate their food. He did the stuff they did because he wanted to connect. He wanted to be with them. He wanted to connect on their level in order to reach them with the gospel. And friends, for us today, that's Aussie culture are barbecues. Aussie culture is coffee, having lunch with workmates, university friends, have lunch with them. Invite your neighbors into your home for a street party. That's Aussie culture. Invite your mates to watch the A-League semifinal tomorrow if that relates, or the grand final next week, or the rugby league, or the Sydney Swans yesterday played. Invite friends to your home and watch the football together. 
That works in our culture. It's about connecting with people on their level in order to reach them. And this is what Paul says in blue. He says in 22, I have become all things to all people. Why? So that by all possible means, I'm doing my best. I'm trying my hardest. I'm trying to make it the easiest way possible for people to come to Christ. That I might save some. Now Paul was willing to lay down his preference, sacrifice his agenda, sacrifice his wants, give up his agenda. And friends, if you're a Christian here today, if if you're a Christian here today, Jesus is your saviour and he's also your Lord. And if, he's his, and if God, if Jesus is your Lord, you choose to come under his authority and his lordship. And we take notice of his will, and his will is very clear today that he wants to see lost people saved. And guess how he does it? He uses people like Mark Bulmer. Oh my goodness. He uses people like Sam Bulmer and Bernice. He uses people like Craig Gibbon and Wendy. He uses people like me and you to reach the world with the message of Jesus. Now, we don't make people Christian. That's God's job. But he uses us to present the message. You know, I said the roadblock this morning is insert your name here. Because we struggle so much to do these things. We are, maybe not you, I am, self-centered, self-focused, and set on my, our own comfort. We struggle to lay down our lives for the sake of lost people. We struggle to give up our comfort in order to see people saved. We struggle to, to sacrifice our finance and our time to see God's will fulfilled. You know, this is what I hear from you. I hear, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to spend time with unbelievers. I'm too tired. I'm too tired to make connections with unsaved family and friends. I'm too afraid. I'm too afraid to share my faith. And this is the big one. I'm too afraid to share my faith because of what people will think of me. I'm too afraid to share my faith because I'm afraid of how people will treat me. I love my television program of MasterChef too much than to invite people into my home at night because if they're there, I won't be able to watch my show. And we laugh at that, but how true is it? We like the way we do church so much that we don't set ourselves up so that unbelievers can come in here and it's sort of normal. I say sort of because we're not normal. Have a look at you lot. Have a look at me. Wow. We're too concerned Here we go, life group people. And if you're not part of a life group, I encourage you to join one. 
We're too concerned about our tight relationships in our life groups and the connectedness and the lovely relationships that we have then to invite and then, then, then to invite an unbeliever into it because it might mess up our tight relationships so we're reluctant to do it. Friends, we need to say no to the good things. Master Chef is a good thing. Spending time at home is a good thing. Being busy, being tired because you put a good day's work in is a good thing. But if those good things prevent you from doing the better things, things need to change. Things need to change. Something needs to change. You know, if we're serious about God's will, if we're serious about coming under the Lordship of Christ, we need to be serious about winning lost people. And to win lost people, friends, you need to say no to the good things so you can say yes to the better things. You know, as a church, we talk about next steps. We talk about inviting people to the next thing, inviting them to a ministry, inviting them to an Easter egg hunt, inviting them to the next thing than a church service. Part of our outreach strategy is, strategy is that we want you to be deliberate in connecting with your unsafe friends, to meet with them, to hear their story. Tell me your story. And then you share your story with them because they've shared, you shared. And tell them what Christ has done in their world, and it, to, in, in your world. And if they're interested in Jesus, say, can I talk to you some more? We put together that foundations book, which puts out the foundational elements of what it is to be a Christian. In five, five one-hour sessions, you can take someone through what it is to be a Christian. And if they're passionate about that, they want to become a Christian, that, that will show you how to do that. And then invite them to your life group. Invite them to church. There are steps that you can take. Get to know people. Tell your story. Invite them. Take them through foundations. Invite them to church. Invite them to a life group event. Invite them to something where other Christians are at. Friends, let's be deliberate. We need to give up our agenda, sacrifice our wants, lay down our preference. And that means saying no to the good things so you can say yes to the better things. I want to tell you about a, um, a story I, I read about a man who lived some time ago now. He was a tradie. And I think he just displays so well what it means to say no to good things in order to say yes to the better things, to lay down preference, sacrifice agenda. This guy... Um, he grew up in a family. He had brothers and sisters, parents, and, and, and this guy just loved God. He was really passionate about God. And he would pray and spend time with God. And, and there was something about him that people recognized. That they recognized there was something about him. There was wisdom and, and there was this passion for God that he saw, that, that, that they saw in him. When he was about a teenager, apparently he lost his dad which would have been a tragic thing for him. But yeah, that, that, that didn't stop him pursuing his relationship with God and, and fulfilling the calling that God has for his life. At the age of 30, we're told that he goes to a river and meets a guy named John the Baptist. And he gets baptized there and the Spirit of God comes upon this tradie. And he was empowered to 
tell the world about his father and about his father's kingdom, the king's domain, and what it means to be part of the kingdom and how you enter the kingdom. And, and he healed sick people and rose the dead and fed people and he had compassion and he, and he displayed what God is like to us. And wow, was it a good life. People loved him. Not everyone did, but most people loved him. People came to him. He healed them. He loved them. He taught them about the Father. And you know what about Jesus? The Bible says he had no sin. Zippo. His relationship with God was wonderful. There was no blockages. It was him and God, and he displayed God to the world. He had a really, really, really good thing. But you know what Jesus did? He said no to that really, really good thing. Because he saw you. He saw the people at the time and he saw me. And he said yes to the better thing. And that better thing was to go to the cross and to lay down his life for us. Friends, he had a good thing. He had no sin. He had no baggage. He had no, nothing that separated him from God. But he said no to that in order to take my sin and your sin upon himself. The Bible says that he became sin for us. The sin of the world upon him. He said yes to the better thing. Jesus sacrificed his wants. He laid down his agenda. He gave up his preference for you and for me. What a wonderful example. What a wonderful example. So let's get real this morning, friends. What do you need to give up? And we're talking about good things. We're not talking about swearing or too much alcohol. or We're not talking about bad things. We're talking about good things here. Masterchef, televisions, working, overtime, full lives. What do you need to give up? What do you need to sacrifice? What do you need to lay down? In order for you to say yes to a better thing. Holy Spirit, Father in heaven, Father in heaven, we ask you to speak to us by your Spirit now. And Lord, that you would reveal to us the good things that you want us to say no to in order that we can say yes to the better things. Reveal to us, Holy Spirit, You know, that's the uh, get real question. Let's now take action. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would show us what you want us to do differently. And when the Spirit shows you that, pray that in. Pray, God, I pray that I will.
Father, change us. Father, help us to give up our agenda, sacrifice our wants, lay down our preference, so we can say no to a good thing and yes to a better thing. And that is your will. Seeing people come to know Christ. It's your heart, God. It's what you want. Amen. You know, when we take action, it's nice to pray. But when you tell someone what you want to do, you get a better outcome. So turn to the person next to you. And if you've got a spouse here, tell your spouse because they're most likely to hold you accountable. And tell God the action step, tell God. If you're talking to Mark, it might be, no, it's not true. Um, Tell the person next to you your action step.